Good morning. Welcome to Battleground this morning. Let's uh, no Micah got just got through praying, but let's let's pray for the the word that we're fixing to look at for ourselves. For those that that aren't with us today, we have some traveling and dealing with losses in the family, sickness in the family, many things going on. Some we know, some we don't. So let's pray for us and pray for them. Pray for our time together. Lord, uh, we have gathered together today to hear from your word, your word that has been settled and fixed. And We do not, we have not gathered here today to do anything else but to hear from your word, to ask you to help us understand it, and then to apply it. Oh God, that we would apply it into the very day, into the life of which we live. Let us speak boldly and speak in love into the culture, to each other. In Jesus' name. Before we open up our Bibles and look at Ephesians 4, I wanted to say something clearly this morning. Because we're on record and live streaming and all that. And I think it's important. I can still remember. Listening to I believe it was Vodie Balcom. As he told me about a woman named Margaret Singer. And how, how her hate for those of, that were African American. Drove her to make a plan. The plan was to sterilize and then exterminate a group of people and so she made a plan and it began to work. She moved her organization into the very poorest, into the very hurting communities, got religious leaders behind her and we call it Planned Parenthood. And so today, and I know many of you are grieving as we hear New York passed a bill that allowed them to murder children right up to birth. And I just wanted to say this morning, for the record, Battleground Community Church believes in the sanctity of life. And when we say that, we believe in the whole sanctity of the whole life, from the womb to the tomb. And so when we hear these things and they stir us, let us ask ourselves the question this morning. Are we really pro-life or are we just anti-abortion? God has called us to be pro-life and so this has everything to do this morning what it means to grow in community together because the body of Christ should be a place for single moms to find rest and practical help. The body of Christ should be a place for those who have experienced abortion can, can experience the restoring grace of the gospel in their life. A place that empties orphanages and fills families. A place that, that embraces fostering in the community God has placed as a place that loves and cares for their aged parents until they go home to be with Jesus. A place that has no tolerance for any leader who stands for the genocide of the weak and the powerless, irregardless of what they offer us. Deuteronomy 10 verse 18, hear God's word this morning. For God says, He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner and gives him food and clothing. God will execute justice for the fatherless and for the widow and for the alien. He will. And He has. 
And so this morning, as we open up our Bibles to Ephesians 4, verse 1, this has everything to do with what life in community looks like. That we are a people who do not stand just against something, but stand for things. And we stand for them together. Ephesians 4, stand with me now. In honor of His Word, we have been looking at what we believe. And now, Paul, through this prison epistle, moves to how we live. Ephesians 4, beginning at verse 1, I'm going to read down to verse 16. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. The grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might feel all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by the craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love to be seated so we try to remind each other every week of the context these were letters that were written to the local church churches in Ephesus and oftentimes what they would do with these letters they would pass them around to other local churches and they would read them together chapter 1 to 3 in Ephesians we know Speaks of right believing. And then chapter 4 to the end of the letter speaks of right living. And there's no separation. There's no separation in the word of God between the secular and the sacred. There's one thing. What we believe naturally affects how we live. This is why culture votes to murder children. They believe a certain way and so they act on that belief. What we are not supposed to understand, this is what I'm afraid we oftentimes do by default. This is what I believe, so this is how I should live. You must first understand it in context. 
that this is about what we believe and how we live together. This is what we've been laboring to get to in our minds to change our way of thinking that our union in Christ brought oneness with a people, a body. He calls that body the church. And so now this begins, well, if I'm one in Christ, I'm united to Him, and, now, and by virtue of that, I'm one with you, then what does this life together look like? What should it look like? This is t- to the end Ephesians 4 on is about. Unity is life together. That's found that is based in our union with Christ and our oneness with Him and His church, His people. So how healthy are we in this area? How healthy are we? I'm not speaking to someone else. I'm talking to Battleground Community Church. How healthy are we? If our purpose is to glorify God through Christ-exalting worship as we grow together in biblical community while we go to the, with the gospel to all nations, how are we doing? It's an important question to ask the first of the year. I hope you've asked it. We as your leaders and your pastors are, we're looking at that. I want you to see something this morning, foundational to your framework and to mine as a body. Look with me at verse 4 and 5, Ephesians 4. These are two pieces that we have to have so that we're on the same page this morning and that we're on the same page with the Word of God. A healthy body has Christ as its head. Verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And this over all, through all and in all is first in context talking about the church. Over everything as it is to the church, through all and in all. So Christ is the head of this church who is one. We talked about Ephesians 1. We were people with no hope. Now we have hope. We were people without God. Now we have one God. Father of all. And a healthy body grows. A healthy body grows. Verse 15. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. Christ, this is the picture of the body imagery. No picture of an isolated, saved individual. It's a picture of a body that you are saved into. That you are members of. This is what we speak when we talk about how healthy are we this morning. So what we want to do this morning, I want to say verse 1 to 3 to the end. It's sort of the climax, the most critical part that we understand this morning. So we just want to look at basically three things. I want you to see that God has given gifts to you so that we might grow. I want us to see that God has given us spiritual leaders so that we might grow. I want us, I want us to see that there is a, both a purpose, a means, and a manner by which we are supposed to live so that we all might grow. So let's first look. The body of Christ grows together as we use the gifts God's given us. Verse 7, verse 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so we've been talking about corporately, we are saved into a, into a corporate body, into, into one, 
God's church. And now he focuses in on the individual. God has given each one of us, every member of the body, a gift. He's given us grace. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. Scripture interprets Scripture, and so it's always amazing to be able to look and see what the, what the Bible says about the same thing in other places. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 is, is one of the clearest. To help us understand these two points we're looking at now. Each one of us have a gift, and we, each one of us are not the same. We don't, get, we don't all have the same gift. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God, listen, who empowers them all in everyone. Verse 7, it's important. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the what? The common good. That's what he's saying in the... Ephesians 4, we have each been given a gift. We've been given grace, and they are diverse. We've given diverse gifts. That's what he's saying in 1 Corinthians. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. We're not speaking of saving grace, but ministering grace. You have been given saving grace, and you have been given ministering grace. You have been in grace so that you may serve and grow up the body of Christ. That's what you've been given grace for. What we have been given, we are stewards of. Our, our gifts are diverse. They're not the same. God hasn't gifted me the same way he's gifted Micah. That's why you're married to someone that's exactly the opposite from you. Most of the time. And by the way, we're going to get to this in a minute. Sometimes you get on their nerves because you're different. That's right. So do we. We've been given diverse gifts. They're not the same. But it's grace. It's important this morning that you see this spiritual gift that you've been given as nothing more but sheer grace. And so, can we begin to try to pull out this unbiblical language when we, when we call ourselves volunteers, could we try to pull that out? Because, see, it just doesn't work with body language, does it? I'm a volunteer thumb. Not sure. But the body language is this. You were saved by grace, and you're giving spiritual gifts by grace. You're putting a body in order to use them. That's what it means to be a Christian. Saved by grace. We live by grace. We serve because of grace. Listen, here's, the, here's how we motivate each other towards this. Jesus Christ is the giver. Look at the text. Jesus Christ is the gift. Verse 8. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that... But that he had also descended in the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who, might, who also ascended far above all things. They might feel all things. Jesus Christ gave himself. He is the gift. So the source of the, 
the serving gifts, the ministering gifts that he gives us is from Christ. And so what he does here is accents the generosity and the authority of Jesus Christ. It's where our generosity comes from. Should be impossible for a Christian to not be a generous Christian. Why? Because Jesus Christ died, he rose again, he ascended to heaven. Our victor, our king. And he extravagantly lavished on us. He threw gifts everywhere on his people. He's quoting Psalm 68. I want you to see this. This hopefully helps us understand this passage. Turn with me to Philippians 2. Philippians 2. Christ is our ascended Lord. He's not in the grave. He's on the throne. He came all the way down. Philippians 2, 5 to 8 says. And now he has gone all the way up. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. Listen. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Verse 9, listen. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus came down and gave us himself as a gift. And he ascended to his throne and he gave us gifts in order to grow the body of Christ. That's what he's saying. We are to labor together for the growth of all believers. That's what he's saying. God has given you a gift so that the body of Christ might grow. And he's given us spiritual leaders So the body of Christ might grow. Verse 11 and 12 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So Christ gave us leaders in the body for a distinct purpose. And it's stated here, this is our mandate. Christ gave us all gifts, and they're varied in each one to half a gift. No, Jesus didn't forget you. If you're in Christ, he's given you a gift. But what he has especially gifted his church with is spiritual leaders to lead them. We know this, whether you love football or basketball or baseball or anything else. We have different roles and different positions that we play. And what he is saying here clearly lays out that there are leaders and the leaders should lead. He says first apostles. Apostles were those that were called by Christ himself. It meant sent ones or sent messenger. The prophets are those who spoke for God from God. They weren't fortune tellers. They were forth tellers. God said say this. They said it. Means the ones who speaks for God. The evangelists are the proclaimers of the gospel. They had a they have a specific gift to be able to proclaim the gospel clearly and effectively. There are shepherds. These are your pastor elders. 
hear them called overseers in the Bible, shepherds. They're to lead and to guide and protect the flock, God's people, the body of Christ. There's teachers. Shepherds and teachers are overlapping oftentimes. Teachers are the person who instructs people with skill and knowledge. All of these are important. Why? Look at verse 12. To equip the saints. For what? What does it say? For the work of ministry. What does the work of ministry do? It builds the body of Christ. So our spiritual leaders have a charge. Not to do the work of ministry, but to equip God's people to do the work of ministry. That's what God will hold me and Micah, your your leadership team, pastors, elders accountable for. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Your teacher is talking to you this morning. Equip the saints. That's our charge, our passion. Why? Because they need to be equipped. That word means to unite, to bind together, to make perfect. In Hebrews, it's used to make fit for use. In other words, we are supposed to be actively involved in each other's life. Your leaders are supposed to be equipping you to do the work of ministry. That simply means to serve. Equips you to serve. That's how we build each other up. We serve each other. This is a good book. If you haven't read it, it's called Multiply by Francis Chan. Got a couple of quotes in here this morning from him. The moment you begin to believe that your church can be healthy while you sit on the sidelines, you have given up on God's plan for, of redemption. That's a bold statement. Let me read it again. The moment you begin to believe that your church can be healthy while you sit on the sidelines, you have given up on God's plan of redemption. God placed you in, a, in your unique situation because He wants you to minister to and with other Christians. He has placed you around, end of quote. He goes on to say we should, be, we should not be content to be immature consumers, but eager servants. That's the job of the your pastors and your leaders is to equip, not to sit in a chair and consume, serve. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who, who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. The body of Christ grows together. Is we use our gifts so that we each other's grow. We grow together because God has given us spiritual leaders. And the body of Christ grows together by distinct means for a distinct purpose. So the word purpose and goal, I'm using the same way. What's our distinct purpose? What's our distinct goal? What does verse 13 say? As we are to do this until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
I love his redundancy there, how he explains himself. So the purpose is that, is that everyone come to Christ-like maturity. You see that? That's the goal. That's the purpose. That's what we are striving together for. And we're understanding that your giftedness and your uniqueness and your diversity, diversity is to be used together with mine and yours together to build up God's body. And that we are to treat God's spiritual leaders as gifts as they equip us. So that we all might. The picture here is a picture. Galatians 4 verse 19. It's this picture of a child that grows. That's how Paul sees sees the church. Especially the young church. Galatians 4 verse 19. I think that's in your notes. says this. My little children. For whom I am in the anguish of childbirth. Until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you and now change my tone for I am perplexed about you. You see his love, his longing that they might grow. It's this picture of a child growing from infancy to toddler to adulthood. That's the goal. And here's the danger that you could be buying into this morning and that other people you know you may have to help counsel us buying into. We, we think we have to somehow, someplace, arrive to total maturity before we begin to serve. And while we must be very careful, Scripture speaks to it to not appoint leaders too quickly. We must understand this morning that service, listen, service is a means of growth. In other words, if you're coming and hearing a message and you're not serving the body of Christ, you're affecting not only your growth, you're affecting the body's growth. We grow as we hear the word. We also grow as we serve. We squeeze out into our life everything that God puts into us. We squeeze it out through gospel multiplication. We squeeze it out by the way we love our children. We squeeze it out how the way we love each other. This is how we know we are healthy. Listen, maturity involves Christ's likeness. That's the point of verse 13. Everyone, everyone, the goal, everyone arrives to unity of the faith. Notice that the Son of God belongs equally to faith and knowledge. He's the object of our faith. He's the object of the knowledge that we, we're not just trying to get smart. We're not just trying to understand information. We are trying to know God, know Jesus Christ, and lead other people to know Him. That's what maturity looks like. The word here, knowledge, is not simply gnosis. It's epignosis. It's Full knowledge is perfect knowledge. That's what we desire each other to, to attain to. You see, I think most of us' goal for our spiritual life is not too big. It's too small. We're consuming things like spiritually obese people. And you're not squeezing it out in anybody's life. This is not about you spiritually growing. It's about the body spiritually growing. And there's a difference. There is a heart motivation. God loves His church and He wants it to grow difference. A believer 
walking alone is like a child trying to walk in the ocean. They're going to fall. They're going to fall. It's just a matter of time. This is why God did not intend us to walk alone. You see, look at verse 13. Maturity brings stability. We've got to get our purpose right. Because our purpose brings something that we all need. Stability. Look at verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. You see the picture? If, if I am not concerned about your maturity, if you're not concerned about my maturity, we're going to fall. We're going to be deceived. Ever seen some guy that moves off in the woods by himself? You know what he turns into? A nut. <laughs> Half the time. Why? We need each other. You get by yourself on this spiritual life, the next thing you know, you'll get sucked into a cult. We need each other. Children are gullible. They're easily deceived. That's why he uses it as an illustration. That's why the, some of the most fun of being a parent is just playing jokes on your kids and tricking them up all the time. Why? Because they're easily deceived. The goal for Christ and then the goal for us is that we not be children that's easily deceived. And God's church will be unless we covenant together to labor together and to serve each other and to speak God's word to each other. You see, there is a distinct means by which we arrive at maturity in verse 15. Rather than, another, rather than being unstable, let us speak the truth in love. We are to grow up into every way, into Him who is the head. Look at this language, this body language. There's no individual language, it's body language. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Do you see that word, equipped? When each part is working properly, makes the body grow, listen, so that it builds itself up in love. Maturity involves us speaking the truth and love to each other. This is how we grow up. This is how we move to maturity. This is why I don't need to care, and neither do you, about my opinion. This is why God's Word's canon is not open. You will never hear me, and you better not ever hear a growth group leader say, I got some special word from God tonight. No, they don't. All they have is what we have received, which is the Word of God. And it is closed, and it is truth. And this is what we speak. This is what we speak to each other. If we do not speak this, we are not speaking the truth. Our growth groups are not about our opinions. Our growth groups are about helping you understand God's Word. This is truth that we must speak. But it must be spoken in love. Love is essential. Don't we know this as families? Love is the most conducive atmosphere for growth. Anybody in any area of people work in this community knows that to be true. When the family breaks down, society unravels. This is why God ordained families, not orphanages. He did not or ordain institutions to God. 
people. He organized the church. This is why he's saying we are not just like a family. We are a family. We are a family who speaks the truth, the word of God to each other. But we do it in love. You see, truth without love is contaminated. Truth. You can speak God's word. But if you don't speak it in love, it just sounds like heady arrogance. This is what he's saying. This is how it grows. That my love for you is essential. Your love for someone who's been through an abortion is essential for them to grow. It's essential. Our truth sits on the love of Christ. He takes away the sins of the world. This is how we help each other grow. We see this. I'm not going to go there. First Thessalonians 3, 6 and 7 is just one of many passages where you can see Paul longing and loving for God's people. He says, I know you're longing to see me and I'm longing to see you. Don't you love for someone like that to speak into your life. He loves you and he longs. Quoting multiply again. This does not mean that we all function in exactly the same way. But it does mean that we will have, that we all have a responsibility. It also means that if you're not active in the church, you are hurting your brothers and sisters. And listen, that's not love. So here's my question for us this morning. Am I, am I working properly? That's what it says. See the text? Body grows when each part is working properly. You know this to be true. I mean, you can break your thumb. That little thing that seems like it's very unimportant. You can break that thing and, and get it all wrapped up. Or I grew up in a tool and die shop. It's what I did my whole life around punch presses, the cuts with sharp edges and stuff. And you see most guys and they're walking around with missing fingers. They stuck it in this tool and it cut it off. What happens when that happens? What happens when the thumb is missing? The rest of the body has to work harder. The rest of the body is tired. You ever hurt one shoulder and something happens over here? You know, next thing you know, you're walking around like this. What happened? This side's nothing wrong. Why? Because your whole body's compensating because there's something wrong over here. Listen, this is the truth. This is why he uses body language. If you're not serving in the body of Christ, if you're not here... If God's people are not a priority, there's someone else over here dead dog tired because they're holding up your job. God has given it to you. And He is the King, brothers and sisters. I say this out of love. You will stand before King Jesus and give an account of the grace He's given to you. I don't say that any other way because this is what the truth says. And we need to hear the truth this morning. Do I desire to see battleground community church to grow because growth looks like maturity and maturity looks like you doing your part it's not my words this morning this is not my plan this is God's plan this is what Christ died for 
so that his bride may be pure and holy and mature. Colossians 1, 28-29 says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, listen, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all the energy that is within me. Within me. There is a distinct purpose. That is Christ-like maturity. There's a distinct means that we bring the truth to bear as we all embrace our place in the body of Christ. But oh, how important it is to get our manner right. We could have the right purpose and have the wrong manner. And listen, this is the issue, so I want to save it to last. This is what it means. Verses 1 to 3 is what it means when Paul says, and he asked the church, he's asking you this morning, are you walking worthy? Listen, he says, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, you know that means something, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So everything else he says after that that we've already looked at, this is the manner that we must go about it. He's, he does not, and he could have, because he had that apostolic authority, he could have absolutely said, these things I demand of you. But he says, these things I urge you. The word there is where we get the word paraclete. It's where the, the, we use the word for the Holy Spirit of comforter, encourager. That's what he's saying. I'm encouraging you. I'm exhorting you. It's the same thing that he says in Romans 12.1. I urge you by the mercies of God. Since your life's a sacrifice. Here's the truth this morning. I looked it up. The average tenure of a pastor is three to four years. For many reasons, many times the church chews him up and spits him out. Sometimes he fires, sometimes he leaves for better opportunities. But see, this is what, confu- this is what concerns me this morning. If me or you bounce around every two to four years, how is anybody ever mature in Christ? How do you ever see them mature in Christ? I'm concerned, brothers and sisters, that we've made a 10-year plan and God's church not in it. He's not in it. We've made a 10-year plan of our life and there's no people in our mind other than our families. And listen, God is telling you this morning, He's given you a family. He died, brothers and sisters, to bring you into a family. He calls it His church. We must commit to each other, to see each other, to stay with each other. And it looks like this, brothers and sisters. Listen, this is what he's saying. It's hard work. It's hard work. Look at verse 3. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That word eager means to make every effort. He uses this word a lot. I actually like it. There's a sense of urgency with it. There should be a sense of urgency for us to maintain. Important word. Word means to keep, to guard, to watch, to protect. Here's good news this morning. 
you can't create unity. You can't. Woo, it's good news as a pastor. I can't create unity. I can't. It's given to, to us by Jesus Christ. It is a gift from God. Here's what our responsibility is to maintain it. What God has gifted to us, the unity of the body, we guard it, we watch it, we protect it. This is why it's important for you to do your responsibility in the body of Christ and for me and for us to do ours. We should guard it because he created it and it cost him his life to create it. So what does it look like? Well, just look at verse 2. These are not things we don't know. Right? These are the hardest things in life to do. Isn't this why we don't live life together? <laughs> because verse 2 is so hard. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. There's that word love again. Listen. This is not a calling to a private relationship, but to a life in community with other believers. This is not a calling to a private relationship, but to a life in community with other believers. This is why these qualities are essential. Oh, I'm patient, but I never get around anybody. How's that work? I'm humble as long as I'm alone. <laughs> I can put up with you as long as you don't get near me or spend too much time. It's sort, of, it's sort of dumb when you say it out loud, isn't it? But we live this way, you see. It's not what we believe. It's not what we say we believe. It's how we live. That's what you believe. It's easy to deceive ourselves. And I think, by and large, the church in the biblical south where everybody's, oh, how you doing? Praise Jesus. God bless you. We're living out our own version of Christianity in isolation. Showing up on Sunday. And we're not in each other's life Monday to Saturday. This is not what the early church looked like. They lived in relationship to each other where they must, they must show humility, patience, and gentleness. Humility, listen, is essential to life together. Nothing destroys community like pride and arrogance. You ever been in a group of people? It's all going good, and all of a sudden somebody comes into the room, joins the group, praise the Lord. I've got grease growing, but he's some arrogant, prideful rascal. You ever notice what happens to the group? Why? Yeah. Listen to this. 1 Peter 5.5. 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to your elders. Clothe, listen, clothe yourself, all of you, with humility Toward one another. Why? For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Don't say this in any rudeness. This is just true. Margaret Singer that stepped into eternity some years ago. God obeyed every word he, gave, he told her. And he brought justice to the fatherless. I do not want to be in opposition to what God has said to do. So we need amongst us to labor, to work, to toil. So that I don't bring my pride into the equation. I must kill it. That's what John Owen said. Be killing sin or it be killing you. We kill it. Humility notices towards one another in First Peter. That's what he's saying. It's essential to life together. 
but so is gentleness. That's just having a self-control. There's nothing that destroys community and relationships quicker than anger. Selfish anger. Selfish anger damages life together. It's this picture of a, of a shepherd who carries a wounded sheep. But if the wolf comes in, he's not going to carry him. He's going to kill him. That's the tension. That's the gentleness. Gentleness does not let walking people walking all over you. It's to have yourself under control to the Lordship of Christ. As in our relationships with each other. We must be patient. Colossians 3.12 says this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. That just brings up this, this hardest part. We have to just put up with each other. That's what it says. It's not my words. It says put up with me. You've got to put up with me, Jason. That's what he says. I got to put up with you. How? In love. We aggravate each other. We get on each other's nerves. Isn't that true of family? My wife loves me, but I drive her nuts sometimes. She, but she never bothers me. I'm just kidding. Listen, brothers, this is the manner by which we live together. And you never know how much unity you have until there's a conflict in the family. Then you got to go back to Scripture and say, God has called me to you. He's called me to you. He's called us together. So let us labor in this, brothers and sisters. Are you willing to do this? We try to make it simple here at Battleground. We're... Our purpose statement has three things in it. We gather together to worship. And as we gather together to worship, some of us worship, some of us serve. We grow together and we're intentional. We put our growth groups in people's homes for a reason. Because it's where we live. I want you to live life together. That's the, that's the hint. This is where we need to be. We, we study and enjoy each other. There. We study the Bible and we enjoy each other. And then we go together. We serve together in our groups and go to get places in our church. Let me read this text. We'll be done. 1 Corinthians 3. Just a good reminder this morning. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his reward according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. I'll end with this quote. From instruments in the Redeemer's hands. Your life is much bigger than a good job. An understanding spouse. And non-delinquent kids. It is bigger than a beautiful garden. Nice vacations and fashionable clothes. In reality you are part of something immense. Something that began 
before you were born and will continue after you die. God is rescuing fallen humanity, transporting them into his kingdom and progressively changing them into his likeness. And he wants you to be a part of it. It's good news, brothers and sisters. Embrace that gift. Let's pray. So God, now, we have heard from your word. And now we embrace the call. Simply be a family to each other. A family that is always growing. Because you're always gathering. Lord, that we would be one. That we would grow toward the maturity of Christ-likeness. And so now, Lord, as we stand to our feet, let us remember who we are what we believe, and how we shall now live. This is our response and worship to you, our God. We pray this in our Lord and our King and our brother's name, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Stand. Mm-hmm.